Hi, this is Chad. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad to be part of your journey into product mastery so that you can develop products that your customers love and do a better job with that. This episode is sponsored by the Rapid Product Mastery Experience, the RPM Experience, which is the fastest way for product VPs to help their managers and everyone else contributing to products to increase performance. It's different from other online training or in-person training or any kind of training you've seen. It is an experience. Go to productmasterynow.com slash RPM to see how it can help you as well. Today, we're discussing entering a crowded market, a crowded category, and the challenges when trying to enter with a new product. For context, we're going to use Customer Relationship Management System, CRM, as a category, which indeed is, is crowded. And joining us is Jeroen Korthout. He is the co-founder of SalesFlare, the simple, powerful CRM. And this is a topic I've been close to recently because I've been evaluating CRMs for my own use to keep track of guests on this podcast, as well as the companies I have the pleasure of helping with innovation and product management. And in full disclosure, SalesFlare gave me a license to use their CRM at no cost. For this episode, what I'm interested in is what Jeroen has done to enter such a crowded market and what he's learned from those lessons. As a reminder, if you're listening and you want a written copy of what we discuss, we do take detailed show notes for you. We also prepare a one-page action guide so you can immediately put into action the key takeaways that we share today. You'll find those at productmasterynow.com slash 387. Jeroen, thank you for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, it's, it's not that we forced you to use Salesforce, right? You, you may, we got your free account, but it's it's like uh, you're still using it with pleasure, or um, y- y- yes, there's no no arm twisting here. So I'll, I'll give. I'll, I'm glad to share the quick story on that. I'm still evaluating for my own personal use, and it was very kind of, of your group to uh, help me with this as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I've used uh, several CRMs over the years, and often, frankly, find myself going back to Excel because for my own personal use, that's just kind of easier to to keep track of some things. But what I really want is something that helps me get information from LinkedIn easier because LinkedIn is kind of my professional Rolodex, right? It's my contact manager Mm -hmm. and keep information there. And as I went looking for tools again to help with that, I came up short and I evaluated several tools that would be appropriate for a small business. But SalesFlare has some nice integration with LinkedIn. So that's what what captured my attention. And the other part, this is not a pay, paid advertisement, anyone, uh, but the other part of that is its ability to bring in information automatically from social media and other databases that you guys apparently have access to. So it simplifies what is the challenging task often that just sucks the life out of you of having to retype people's information into a CRM. Yeah. So that is very helpful. So we might talk some more about that at the, at the end. But I want, want to get the story here. It is a challenge to enter a crowded category, what might be thought of as a commodity at times. And in this case, there's the, you know, the 300-pound gorilla on the bench, too, which has been uh, Salesforce for a while. There's lots of options out there. Tell us, why does the world need another CRM? Why would you go down this path? No, exactly for the reasons that you were talking about yourself. We had similar problems eight years ago. So we had a software company ourselves and I had used Salesforce in the past. I know it wasn't really a great practical tool for the end user. And when we looked for something to follow up our sales better, which was the issue we had. So just, just a little bit of background in that software company. We had a lot of, they were interested in buying our software, but we still had to guide them to buying. We had met uh, a lot of those at a conference and they were all like super excited, but the, they were a business intelligence. So the, like building dashboards and stuff in companies. 
and I'm not, not particularly fast at buying. Uh, so there was a whole follow-up process uh, involved. And we looked for something very practical to help ourselves follow up those leads in a better way. And I knew Salesforce wasn't going to help. I had four years of experience with Salesforce personally, but also deploying it at, at the time, a life sciences company. I know it was a, a big thing that was more, it, it helped our management more than it helped the end users. We would organize ourselves in an Excel, like you said, or in, in Outlook itself, or, or you had a little task list somewhere or whatever. You, you try all kinds of stuff. Definitely not Salesforce. And then when we, when we, when we were looking for a good tool, we found a, a lot of other more, let's say small business CRMs, sales CRMs, more dedicated to really helping people. But still those uh, fell short for us because what we found is that they only worked if we did an enormous amount of work. You have to keep them up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that seems it's, it's not just about the amount of work even. It's also about the fact that it comes with a, a high level of discipline, almost, uh, almost surreal amount of discipline. Because every time you see something about someone, like you find a phone number somewhere, you find a, some, put an email address or an address or so, or, or there's a new person at a company or a meeting, or uh, there's a, there's, you do something, you, you're in contact with someone, or any time that anything happens or you see a piece of information, you basically need to have the reflex. This needs to go in the CRM. So you constantly have your CRM and you're constantly typing in it. If you do that, then the system works because then you have everything in there and you can say like, when was I last in touch? Which people do I know there? What's their phone number? Should I call them quickly? And, but that's, that it's in reality that never works. And a lot of salespeople just hate CRMs. Uh, and then we started thinking like, can we build something that does all of that automatically? Because we, we, we were seeing that many of the things we were doing were digital in a way. And much of the information we were putting into the system was digital. And then you think like, okay, but if it's there, it's, 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 it's digitally available. Why can't we just get it there and put it in one place? And the software does that. And software is very disciplined, very good at managing data. People aren't really. So it just makes more sense that software does that. And so we, initially we had this system in mind, which would, uh, it would look at your emails. Uh, it would look at your calendar, your phone. It would have uh, like, uh, tr tracking embedded, like, uh, like email tracking and web tracking and everything. And, and it, it, it would create this whole image. And then every time it found information about uh, a company or a person or so, it would all pull it together. Now that's sort of what the, the basis of Salesforce also is, it's really that system that, that, uh, that connects into a lot of places, gets that information and, and brings it to, but then of course, uh, that whole system got form and it evolved from there as well, because since uh, we've been adding, uh, so many, uh, things on, on top of that basis, you could say, but it's essentially a tool with which you can follow up your, your leads, prospects, customers in a much easier way, because the system provides you all the information about them and you can build on that to organize yourself. You know, I'm essentially going down the path of asking about the product journey story here, right? What is the story in exploring the pain that we came about and you created a solution for? And so I just want to want to uncover that pain a little bit more because this is so important to product people that we we realize what the actual problem is and then we solve it in a way that creates value for others. Mm -hmm. So you were in the software company at, at the time as a company yourself, you you had this, it sounds like you know, maybe a more complicated, longer 
lead cycle. So once you came across someone that could be a potential customer, it took a while to nurture that and get them to the point where they became a buyer. Yeah. Keeping track of that information and revisiting all the stages that go into that just kind of gets complicated, especially if there's multiple people involved along that process. Mm-hmm. It sounded like you looked around a little bit. You guys found a solution, Salesforce, right? No, no, I, I, I knew that solution. I knew it wasn't okay. the solution. I think at the time we tried... So when I when I, I I joined my co-founder in that company, it was it was his, and they had Zoho uh-huh. at the time. Also, one I've evaluated. <laughs> Let's say cheap Salesforce. Not it's not particularly better at this. But then we tried uh, PipeDrive, which is better at this. It's really much more built practical sales follow-up. But that was that was too manual. It's like it's like very easy to put stuff in, but still you need to put a lot of stuff in. So and then we found Streak which we were sort of happy with. That was a system that it, it would be in your Gmail and it would get a lot of information from there automatically. But it seemed very, let's say, limited to, to the Gmail environment, very focused on emails and not much else. Mm. The, the the mobile app was was very limiting as well. You basically always had to be in your Gmail, otherwise it wouldn't really work. But we saw a lot of great things there, which we also used at the beginning in Salesforce. Some of the ideas like Salesforce should work wherever you want to work. So if you're in Gmail, you should be able to do everything in Gmail with the Salesforce side. Nowadays, also in, in LinkedIn, if you're in LinkedIn, you can manage everything about the people you're looking at or the companies you're looking at or the conversation you're having all from the sidebar. We also at that point decided that we should always should have 100% of the features on the phone. So not a subset of the features and on the iPad. And so trying these kind of different systems and and feeling the limitations every time also taught us what we found important and then from there uh, that's sort of at the at the at the very beginnings because for instance streak i used for to actually to follow up our customer interview pipe then we started learning from people as well because then we started doing customer interviews i think i did somewhere between 40 and 50 in the beginning to really understand what they found important like how do you do, do you do sales? How do you organize yourself? What sort of software do you use? What's going wrong? What's, what's going well? How, do, how does all of that? I did a lot of those interviews to then basically inform ourselves beyond their own needs. Cause we knew very well what we wanted, but we didn't know what other people mm-hmm. wanted. Okay. So, and for listeners, I want to pull out one insight that you're sharing in a way. In some sense, you're scratching your own itch here, right? But. You know what I asked you, and and this would be something that we could explore in our work when we're trying to build better products for customers and interviews interviews we're doing with people is what else have you tried and what was lacking in those solutions and what was causing you frustration? Yeah, and so you had some good personal experience with with this. Tried lots, you look investigated, tried lots of different things, and still found some shortcomings. And basically, say there's got to be a better way. It sounds like, yeah, yeah, there's got to be a better way, and. Building a better thing is obviously takes a lot of thinking and trying. And I mean, the first versions were not necessarily better. They were worse, I, I would say, but that was just to, we were, we were trying to figure out what, how the core workings would work really well and then go from there. So the, the very first version of, of Salesflare was only the Gmail sidebar, but also we also had an Outlook sidebar for your email because we figured like, okay. People are working from their emails and why would we have a CRM in another tab? That doesn't make sense. We would like to, to, to have them always work from one place. 
So we figured best thing that we're not going to get them out of their email uh, program. We're, we're going to put in a sidebar in their email program. So Salesforce at the beginning was just a bar, which also helped us to, from the start, have always all the features on a compact space. Like, like it's still, you, you have everything on the phone. But then we, well, we tried a lot of things there on how that looked. First, we, we, we for, for instance, we, so you were in your inbox and you had, you were looking at an email and then you saw the rest of the conversation with that uh, company next to it, which we thought was the most logical thing. But people were like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I see emails and there I see more emails. What's the point? So we experiment with, with this kind of things like, okay, maybe we shouldn't show that. We should show information about the company and which context and which opportunity and all that. And then maybe put the, the timeline in another tab. And so it was a lot of experimentation in the beginning. And at some point people were like, okay, this sidebar, we, we like it and stuff, but this is, this is not what we expect from a CRM. A CRM should have this sort of, uh, full screen kind of thing, like a full extra tab in your browser. Why don't you guys have that? We always stayed away from that, but it sort of made sense that we would have both actually that you could use from your, uh, use Salesforce from, from your inbox if you wanted to. But if you wanted to go full in the CRM and you wanted to expand your pipeline, for instance, and see it like fully, you could do it from there as well. And then build some of these emailing features into Salesforce. So you can basically, you can work from the one, you can work from the other, and it has the same effect and it updates the CRM in the same way. Uh, so it becomes uh, like one experience you can experience from multiple places. Yeah. And you don't have to switch tabs if you don't want to because you're working here. But at some point you completely switch and you go work mm-hmm. there. So that all... And that's, that's still the case. Yeah. The same with LinkedIn nowadays. Yeah. Uh, you're on LinkedIn. You can do everything from LinkedIn if you like. And then if you want to go full, full in Salesforce, then. And one thing that the kind of the insight there you're addressing is when we're entering a category, it has to be familiar to people in some sense, right? If it's completely different, mm-hmm. people don't get it and don't know, understand what you're doing. At the same time, it has to create more value. And in my case, you know, having used some CRM systems in the past, I kind of expect what they do, what they look like in a sense. But the more value I was looking for was that LinkedIn integration. And I've looked a lot. And maybe there's some others out there. But the only ones I found required extra licenses and were much more expensive to be able to integrate and bring in. Yeah. And this is really clean and simple. But entering the category, yeah, things kind of have to be similar. I want to go back to one part in your story just to get continuity here. So you conducted 40 interviews with people to understand their needs a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Where was the transition between, I'm in the software company, we need a better tool to help us manage leads, to maybe this should become our product. Maybe we we should do a pivot here and we should become a CRM. It happened pretty quickly. So we, we, we got that idea about eight years ago and so in april may and we got pretty excited about it right away and and at that point there was a there was a third person involved and he was like like leaning to go back to consulting instead of working on that other software company so he sort of gave up on that and we were excited about the other thing and then now we started like thinking like how can we make this real and we saw this this offer from kima ventures back in the day that was like Kima 15, it was 15% of your, 15% of your company in terms of shares. And you would get 150K and they would decide within 15 days. Ah, so, so this is a, a incubator for startups. It's, it's a, it was an investment fund. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, and 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 uh, that was really appealing to us because then we could actually uh, spend time on developing it and and get something out uh, to customers. Because otherwise, we didn't see how that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. We immediately made a deck and a and a little prototype that didn't really do anything, just to show how it worked. And we sent that to Kima, and they said, "Well, it looks like you guys are a bit early stage. It's a great idea and stuff, but maybe later." <laughs> And then we actually took uh, the things we developed and we, we sent that to a, an incubator and to, to an accelerator and we got accepted in both. Hmm. And that's when we felt like, okay, we have to do something with it. And uh, But during that time, because we were sort of, I think, intimidated by the amount of work we had to do, first we started off with a little side project, which we were going to launch first to get some, get some people to know us. And I think that... That delayed us for all. For, mm. for, it was a sort of a document tracking tool, like you have Attach.io or DocSend or so nowadays. And then it was only so. So it started in April, May somewhere. It was only in September that we really started developing when we became part of that accelerator. And uh, that's also the moment that I started doing these customer interviews yeah. to really understand better what we had to build. Like the initial structure, the, the CRM structure was not too hard, but then everything on top of that, how that was going to work in the best possible way for the for the user, that, that was rather difficult. I know it's been a bit since you've done those customer interviews. Kind of what was that process? How did you find people to talk to? And what were the things you were discovering out of that? Or, or what did you ask them? Yeah, so we, we, we sort of had an idea of the types of companies we wanted to go after because we figured, okay, this is, this is mostly around emailing and calling and meetings and stuff. What type of companies uh, sell that way? And then we start mapping that out. And then we figured, okay, this is probably for uh, VP of sales, salespeople, CEO. Uh, these are probably the stakeholders we'll get in touch with. So we need to interview some of these people. And then based on that, I made a little mapping of who do I know? And then I started reaching out to those people. And then from there, we expanded the group of, of, of people by at the end of each uh, interview, I asked, do you know maybe three other people with which I could talk about this, have this interview and that would be interested in doing that? And then we went from there. Yeah, yeah, that tip alone is really valuable, right? If you're interviewing someone who does fit the profile to help you get some insights, Ask them who they know that's that's also in a similar role that could contribute some information is really helpful. That's a good way to expand the number of people that we can talk to and get uh, insights from as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so th- this is helpful. So you were, were you had your own itch. This is kind of where it came from, right? An unmet need. Uh, you discovered that other people have the same sort of problem and wanted to find out a better solution. Uh, you started making some customer inquiries or, or doing these interviews to get insights into how they think about managing contacts in the sales process. And that certainly led you down a path to creating the your, your CRM solution, right? Yeah, that actually led us to creating something. And then the next step was obviously showing it to people, making them use it, see whether they wanted to use it. And that's when we discovered the, the next things. That's when we, at the very beginning, I think you could summarize by saying that we created a lot of magical stuff, but people weren't really getting what was happening. Mm-hmm. And then we had to uh, make it less magical and more understandable. So it was a lot about being... Um, Sometimes our, our software is a bit too effective or efficient and we had to make it a bit more, uh, clear. So the, a bit less of the, of the magic and a bit more of the, the clarity and the, and the simplicity. 
Right. I think, at least from my my perspective, lining it back to kind of how people expect CRMs to work. Yeah. There's magic going on to collect information, but if it doesn't, if it's not presenting it in the way that I might be accustomed to from other CRMs, some of that value gets lost on me. Exactly. And that's what we do nowadays, which has pros and cons. Uh, right. The pro is you much more quickly understand how it works. And so you can use it like it's a normal CRM, even though it doesn't really work that way. But the con is that sometimes people try our software and they don't see it's different. And even though we do this whole uh, onboarding uh, process, which you've uh, probably been where we show all that, still a lot of people don't see the, the difference well enough. And that is then a pity as well, of course, because you still, you still want to be able to differentiate yourself sharply. But you can also not differentiate too much, if you know what I mean, because then people will not get it. So it's a, it's a very uh, tricky, tricky balance. Yeah. When you're entering a crowded category, there, there needs to be a degree of parity where you're like the other competitors, but you also have to stand out in ways that create significant value for people to even pay attention. Again, in my case, it was the LinkedIn connection. It's like, hey, you make it really easy for me to add contacts based who I'm looking at on LinkedIn. Yeah, You alluded to some, along the way, there, there's been some steps that you've gone forward and taken back and, and moved things. I wonder if there's any big things that we can learn from uh, your mistakes along the way, th- things that you would say, man, you know, that, that was valuable. Really glad we, we learned from that experience, but here's something for you to avoid. I think the most important thing is that and and we didn't think it through so much at the time but but i'm I'm happy that we did it that way is that we uh we didn't just what we see a lot of saAS companies uh, software as a service companies do is just uh put a put a page live say you can sign up here and then let people try it and that's all nice from a theoretical perspective, but when you think about it. It makes that you don't get a lot of information about people's experience. You can watch some kind of screen video and try to defer things from there, or infer things from there. But it's really, really hard. It's much better if you're there with the prospects that want to try your stuff throughout the whole process. So for some reason, we did it that way. So we had you just on the site, we had this uh, thing live where you could say, I want a trial. Uh, and then they filled out a form and I would be there with them the whole way. So I would, I would get in contact with them, give them a demo, say, well, understand what their needs were, what their context was, the whole thing, show them the software, how to meet their needs or not meet their needs, take notes about all of that, say, well, you want to try it? You want to set it up? Let's set it up together. S- see all the embarrassing moments where like, oh, this, oh, this is not, oof, that hurts. This do- doesn't work like, like I, we expect it to work. And then actually take them through the first steps also. And then, and then do the whole support. And it was always very, very close to the customer, which I think is what saved us in the early days, I would say. Because if we wouldn't have done that, I don't think we would have been able to evolve the product as well as we we have in these in these times to make sure that it actually becomes became something that people liked or loved to use honestly after 6 months of developing the product i think one other person was u- was was actually using it next to me i was using it uh, the whole time but we convinced one other person to be excited about it. but then to actually get uh, some people to be a, 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 so excited about it that they wanted to pay. That was another seven months or so. It was a long process. 
And then even from there, that was our first customer. I think we got one every month or so from there, which is it's a very low amount. And it took us probably from our first customer to our 20th or so. That was a, a year. It was a long process of uh, getting people on, seeing what was wrong, being like, oh, yeah. taking down their needs and and improving and improving and improving. But, but it was very much a, a process of deciding we're going to go slow now. Maybe it wasn't a conscious decision to go slow now so we can go much faster later. Yeah. And there's other ways that companies try to do these things. They might instrument the the heck out of their, their SaaS solution. So it's always collecting data for them and they're trying to analyze that data later. But it doesn't give you the same uh, idea. That's what I'm saying. It, it doesn't. Exactly, right? You're getting real-time feedback and people's frustrations or excitement where they're delighted and where they're like, no, I don't get it to help you make the product better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's just a really valuable experience. In doing that, so you look back on it and you did say earlier on that this actually saved saved you, saved the company by having these insights, but that it was a longer process. I think it's really valuable to get that information. Is there anything that you would have done different now looking back on that? At the beginning, we were very bad at structuring feedback and prioritizing it. And that's, if we would have done that earlier, that would have saved us a lot of time for sure. By now we get, we get so much information that, that we're very uh, disciplined about it. But back in the day, we were just scribbling some stuff. In the beginning, I was just in, uh, in, uh, I think in some Google doc or, or a sheet or so. I don't mm-hmm. even remember. At some point we switched to GitHub, but it was very badly written down and, very badly prioritized. It's a system we really had to evolve. Nowadays, everything is super clear. We know what's, what's, what's to tackle first and why and all. We, we know why customers asked it. It's, it's there when we look at the issue. All the information is there. When we fix it, we, we actually get in touch with everyone who, who asked it. We get more feedback. We, the whole process is, 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 is really good now. Back in the day, we were, we were working so hard. And taking not not taking enough time to to improve that, I guess, because that whole feedback loop, if you can get that really really smooth, that can make a really big difference. Yeah, absolutely. Interestingly, I, I've heard similar comments from uh, very large organizations, right? Not not just kind of you were in the environment of being a startup and small business, and I think it was you and your co-founder probably doing these initial hand walking the customer through uh, using the product the first time and learning from that. I've heard product people in very large companies also say, we have good market research going on with customers and we have people with our customers and we collect survey data and we do interviews and it's not being integrated to get, you know, themes across customers and taking the time to do that and say, okay, what are we hearing from not just customer or this set of customers, what are the big themes across can help us make decisions more quickly? Yeah. And mechanically, one way that I'd like to do that, I'm curious what you, you think about this, if you, you guys did this somewhere along the way, or if you think it would have helped. If I'm the person you know, sitting, like I imagine you were, maybe in that Zoom call or what, whatever the tool was to help the person walk through using the system, I like having a researcher next to me who's taking notes and trying to capture other observations and then after the call, we're talking about, well, what were the key things that came out of that? And after we do six of those together, together, we're probably coming up with some themes that are recurring to help us know what to take action on. 
Yeah, I've always done them alone, but I would mm -hmm. I would take a lot of notes in the in the meantime. So if I saw something, I was like note, <laughs> note, and at, at the end of the call, I try to organize it all. We organize our things in GitHub, and we have like the issue title is what's wrong. It's a it's the problem, and we have like yeah, it starts with a feature and then the the problem. Well, mostly it's related to existing features. But it can also be, of course, a totally different thing. And then below it, every time it's the the comments uh, per person who who said something. So we we start building up a lot of information about this person uh, had that problem because of that reason and wants that, and this person had that and and wants that because of that, and so on. And then we have priorities on the issue. So we have a, a bunch of different levels there. And actually, every two weeks, we go through all the ones that have been updated in the last two weeks, and we reprioritize. Well, we prioritize new ones, but the existing ones, we look and say, okay, based on this last comment, does this go to the next level, or does it stay where it is? And that way, we we always. So it's it's sort of what you did. That that sounds like you 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 do six, and then you sit together and make a decision. We do that on a continuous basis. Yeah, yeah. Now that you have a process in place. You get that information, you structure it, and then, and then on a continuous basis, you say, okay, these things need to update their priorities because of, and we, we, these, these patterns sort of become apparent as you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you need a process for that. And it sounds like the, it's a more mature process now. In the beginning and, and even doing, continuing to do customer interviews, I find doing them with someone else is just really helpful. One person kind of stay yeah, more yeah. engaged in the flow. And the other person is making different kinds of observations about you know how the how your customers interacting and just helping to take notes and you miss less. So that well, sounds like a good idea. We were a small team, so yeah, exactly. You do what you can, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're moving yeah. as fast as you possibly can. So okay, I appreciate the insights on this this journey, discovering a need yourself, recognizing other people in a market would have that need, doing customer interviews to understand their needs more deeply. And then once you had a, the beginnings of a product, actually walking through people how to use the product and getting what delighted them, getting feedback on what they didn't understand, and really taking that information to help you more quickly evolve the product and get something out that is people actually wanted to get their hands on. Now it's been a, been a bit of time, right? It's a more mature product, and you're still doing this to continually evolve it and make it better. Definitely. Appreciate you sharing that story with us. As listeners know, we love an innovation quote. What is yours? And tell us what that means to you. <laughs> I came up with uh, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I just want to, I thought that was funny, first of all. But no, just to share that if you just set your expectations too much, you might not be able to adapt as well to the customer and the, the changing context and the changing customer needs. I think you always need to be open for it. Everything moves. Uh, it's not just the changing customer needs and environment and all that. It's also uh, what competition is offering, what sort of new technologies become available. And I think it's important to have a vision of where you want to go to what sort of problem you want to solve, what that looks like, but then to be open for, for evolution. It's also the most important thing when you're, when you're innovating and you're building out a product. If it doesn't keep evolving, it, it dies and you, you cannot predict the whole evolution upfront. It will come as you go. Mm -hmm. Hence the uh, box of chocolates kind of thing. And who doesn't like a box of chocolates? But we don't know what we're going to get. 
It's uh, it's from Forrest Gump from the movie. It, so. it was a great line. I think, I think it's pretty well known. So we have not had that one shared before on this yeah. podcast, and I really appreciate that. So good job being your own. Tell us how people can find out more about Salesflare, the work that you do, get their hands on a, a trial if they're interested, and other resources that you have available. If you want to learn more about Salesflare, it's salesflare.com, and Flare is F-L-A-R-E. You can just head to the website. There's all kinds of stuff. We have a blog with a lot of sales content. We have a product mm-hmm. tour to show you the product. We have how-to material if you want to learn and also lots of videos on you. You can obviously uh, just head into the product also straight and you'll find all the links in there as well. When you get into the software, it's just to connect your emails and it starts working for you. There's a whole onboarding first to show you uh, how the product works. Not too long, don't worry. Uh, and then afterwards, we also have uh, an, an onboarding guide to say, okay, if you want to get set up, these are the steps. And we reward you with extra days on the trial as you go. So you start with, start off with seven days uh, and it goes to 30 days if you complete all the steps, which is a way of making sure that everybody gets set up well, because it's, it's not, it's very important for you. And it's very important for us, uh, because we see that the, the better people are set up, the more successful they are at using it to, to do our sales, which brings them new revenue and stuff, but also the longer they stay with us, of course. So we try to motivate. And if you want to get in touch with me, LinkedIn is the best place. There's only one person with my exact name. You'll have to find it out, spelled out somewhere because it's, uh, it's in Dutch. I'll make sure all these links are in the show notes well as well to make it easier ah, okay. for people to find, That's including cool. your LinkedIn profile. And you can send me a connection request, but please do include a personal message because otherwise I, I don't know why you're contacting me and I'll have to assume right. spam. But if you if you include that personal message, then I'll certainly get in touch with you and we can have a chat. Excellent. Yeah, Re- really good experience building a product, entering in the cr- cat- crowded category. And I like your onboarding process too, that you get rewarded for taking the activities during the trial to get more time on the trial too. That's a smart thing for us to, as product managers to think about as well. Appreciate the information and the experience that you've shared with us. Yeah, thank you. This was fun for me as well. And for listeners, remember, if you want to find the written notes of everything we talked about, including that one-page takeaway, the one-page guide to help you put into action the key insights, share today. Just go to productmasterynow.com slash 387. Everyone, Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master, creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating.